0: I can hardly throw and catch one ball juggling is way beyond me so welcome 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 to another fabulous episode of my orgasmic life and I have one of my favorite people who come and have like the best conversations two of us talk about porn she's uh you know a porn critic and I've dubbed her as my porn expert for my orgasmic life (laughs) so um welcome Lindsay welcome Gaia, it's great to be back. Yes. So, on today's show, just before we get into uh, our juicy conversation, a um, couple of housekeeping things. Uh, housekeeping thing number one is today's episode is brought to you by Tickle Life. <laughs> Second uh, housekeeping thing is that with consuming people's stuff and there's ethical consumption, please support me and Donate some money to some overhead costs of running the show. So there's a wonderful link that will be in the show notes to join Patreon and you can interact and get exclusive content from me and all sorts of great things for as little as $5 a month. I show up for you guys, you show up for me. It's a win-win. All right, so let's get into, well, Lindsay, introduce yourself, what you do, your title, your name, all the things.
1: Uh, Well, I am Lindsay G. I am, I call myself a writerly type. Um, I have written all different kinds of things, um, but the thing that I focus on most in my writing is pornography. Um, I started out as a DVD reviewer for an adult magazine back when doing porn reviews was a thing in adult magazines and when adult magazines were a thing. And I got really interested in the subject matter of, uh, you know, who is involved in the porn industry and why and, you know, what's their deal. So I really dug in and I became um, what's often called by me and a few other people, a porn critic. Um, I started doing journalism about the adult entertainment industry back before that was really like a thing um, in the late 2000s. And I've been at it ever since. Um and I wrote a book about my experiences as a porn journalist. Uh, you can find it in most major book retailers. It's called Watching Porn. Um, and I maintain a blog and, you know, just generally talk about this kind of stuff. Because I find that we don't really talk about it openly often enough. And I think it's an important topic, obviously.
0: Yes, I agree. This is why you are my my orgasmic life's uh, porn expert and that's why we have you on the show on a regular basis this will be the third time you've been on the show right it's been three yeah times. yeah mm-hmm. the first time we talked about our own personal consumption of porn mm-hmm. which was a really fascinating and juicy conversation yeah. and <laughs> so you're like what I want to know about that go listen to that episode um the second episode we did we talked about the porn and society and how the porn industry affects our societal norms. And that was a really fascinating conversation. Yeah. Um, and today I wanna to talk about porn addiction, unhealthy relationship with pornography, Because that's also a topic that, uh, you know, it needs to be talked about is we've, you know, we've really honored and celebrated how awesome porn is. Um, (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about how um, some of that might be not being used in a way that serves everybody.
1: Yeah, and that's a, it's a big conversation. Um, and it's kind of a scary one for me, honestly, because I tend to take a very positive approach to porn. Um, because in, you know, in the work that I've done, I've seen the ways in which pornography really gets blamed for a lot of things that I don't think are really the porn industry's fault. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, the industry itself, and when I talk about porn, I'm usually talking about, you know, the people who make pornography as a career. Um, i these days there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap. Things are changing very quickly in the world of porn. So now you have, you know, web cameras and people with OnlyFans accounts and a lot of people who do it on a much smaller scale. Um, And that's like a whole, that, that industry is blossoming so fast that I can talk about it, but I'm not quite an expert on those things because it's just taken off, especially this past year um
0: ah, well yes <laughs> yeah
1: because <laughs> everybody is stuck inside at home stuck inside.
0: Um, what else are you gonna do right let's get yeah, on the camera <laughs> right exactly
1: and like, I think that's really great in a lot of ways but I think it also presents a lot of difficulties you know for a lot of people um in the sort of compulsion and addiction area um but as as I was saying I do think that porn has been blamed for a lot of problems that really are much larger than just porn itself so I almost always come to the aid of the porn industry and you know come in like swinging saying it's not porn's fault leave porn alone um so I'm really I'm actually really excited to have this conversation and kind of dig in on some of these topics because I know that you see things from a really different perspective working one-on-one with clients a lot
0: uh yeah (laughs) <laughs> so, so I, I believe, okay, so here's my thoughts on this is that, so first of all, let's, let's identify porn addiction. So let's, so everybody's on the same page because, um, what one person's identification of that and what somebody else's is are totally different. Like so one person could say, if you watch porn and you whack off, it could be like, well, and you do that more than, you know, you know, 90% of the time, or, you know, you do that 10% of the time it could be mm-hmm. seen as an addiction. So my definition of porn addiction is that your inability, that the only way that you can get off is that you must be watching porn. That's that's mm-hmm. one aspect of it. The secondary aspect is that you're using porn as a way, as any kind of addiction, whether it's porn, whether it's masturbation, because so often porn addiction and masturbation addiction kind of go hand in hand Mm -hmm. or hand and cock or hand and pussy, whichever, you know, (laughs) genitals you got um, together because it's, it's not the same thing, but it kind of are, they're working together. And and so with any kind of addiction, my rule is, If you use it as a way to avoid other things, so avoid feelings, avoid work, avoid intimacy, it's an avoidance, an escapism to avoid something, then Mm. there's most likely an addictive stuff. Something's playing out there on an addictive level.
1: Hmm, Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Um, because when we look at food addictions, and we look at drug addictions, and alcohol, and all, all workaholics, like all those addictions really, there's a physiological side of it. And then there's a psychological side of it. And the psychological side of it is to avoid something, avoid feelings, avoid emotions, avoiding of something. Mm-hmm. And that thing is the thing that you use to avoid it, it's to numb out. Yeah,
1: I think that's a really good way of looking at it, um, especially because if you're bringing in the idea of avoidance, you're pretty much you're you're wrapping up in that the idea that there are problems elsewhere yeah. in your life, and the more you avoid those problems, usually the bigger they get. Um, and I think that that's what we see a lot of with this kind of stuff. I I have been reading a little bit lately from. Uh, God, I, I'm not going to remember the names. I'm so I'm not going to try to get too specific, or I will say it wrong. Um, but I've been reading a little bit lately about the conversation around the word addiction and whether it applies to pornography or not, and that is a very, very hot topic in like scientific circles at the moment um, because a lot of people say, like you, like you said, there is a physiological aspect to what people call porn addiction insofar as like it affects your brain. And a lot of the, the ways that we see the brain react are similar to the ways that people react to drugs that they're addicted to. But then there's all these other people who do like brain imaging scans. Um, oh, one person I do know, Nicole Prouse, who runs Liberos, which is, um, it's a sort of a sex tech brain imaging lab. Um, so Ooh. she, she puts people in brain imaging equipment during all different you know, levels of arousal and like takes what she can get from that. Um, she says that it's, it's not the same as a drug addiction. And I, again, I am not an expert on this, so I'm not going to try to go too deep into detail because I will get it wrong. Um, but she prefers the term compulsion. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's not like, I think it's over the long-term, you don't see the same effects um, in porn use as you do in, say, like cocaine use. Um, But I don't really know what the difference on the scientific level between the definition of compulsion and addiction is, so. eh.
0: Um, Yeah, me neither, so I'm not gonna get into that either. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) the, the thing I've learned about it from talking to a few people who are like much more in that field than I am is that there really isn't a very strong consensus on what the word addiction means in the psychiatric community. So it, it can be thrown around irresponsibly or applied too widely or the opposite. So anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. I tend to use the word compulsion just because I, I really like Nicole Prowse. I think she's really
0: awesome. (laughs) Well, and I mean, there's that bio, like, again, like my definition of addiction um, is that whole, you're utilizing it as an avoidance. So that's a psychological component. Yeah. And then on a physiological, there are, there are neural pathways that are being created with biochemicals mm. that are being respo- like being released when we have orgasm. So and when we have certain visual stimulations that are creating orgasm, we are creating neural pathways in our brain of orgasmic response, which then has like all the chemicals Mm -hmm. that make us feel good. So there's like an so so I think for me, there's that piece around there's the. The good, the feelings, of the drugs. So it may not be an external drug, but we are creating in the dopamine. We got dopamine mm-hmm. and, and oxytocin right. and, you know, our serotonin regulators. So all of the drugs, internal drugs that our bodies produce with arousal yeah. and orgasm are flooding our systems. Right. So it's like all the good stuff, all the good stuff. So we're high. Basically, we're all like, Woo! Right. <laughs> place right yeah yeah if we like are utilizing porn as a way to avoid which then makes our bodies feel good then we're going to be like in that compulsive standpoint we're going to want more of it so we're going to do more of it to avoid to feel good and it's just like this vicious cycle right right and it's a tough cycle because on the one hand you know those those
1: good feelings, those good drugs, um, that exist within your body, but you have to unlock, you know, they're, they're good for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find myself in a position a lot where I, I need to remind people that orgasms are good for you and pleasure is good for you. This is actually like a really good thing because we have so much shame built up around it just from, you know, living in the world that thinks that this is bad. Um, and I, I really do believe that a lot of sort of uh, what's a good way of putting it like disordered use of pornography um, comes from the fact that there is not a good, robust conversation about yeah. sexuality, about sex and about pornography. And yeah. the more that pornography becomes readily available, often for free, you know, the more we need to talk about it in a real way, in an accessible way, so that people can learn to approach it in a healthy way. Um, And right now, what we often have instead is people kind of like yelling about it, (laughs) you know, like this person saying, this is really bad. It's wrong. It's terrible. It's all about all of these bad, bad things. And then, you know, over here, your brain is saying, yeah, but I really like this this feels really good and there's not a whole lot between point a and point b of people having conversations like we're having now that can kind of put it into context and help people learn how to relate to it in a healthy way
0: and um and there's and it does totally suck and there's that and I love that you bring up the shame piece so so for example, what I see with my clients a lot that come to me and in relation to how porn is not working for them in a healthy way, right? Again, I'm I'm not, I have no issues with the porn, porn, porn in itself, porn, pornography. It's about how we consume it. How mm-hmm. do we move mm-hmm. with it? How do, how does it make us Feel? how do we feel about ourselves how does it interact and play out within the confines of our relationships with the people sexual relationships because that's another piece right. is a betrayal yes. of that that's an often thing like the, the you know going back to that compulsion piece you know that porn compulsion so you watch porn your partner hates that you watch porn you get caught yes. watching porn they feel like you're cheating on them
1: you mm-hmm. feel like a
0: piece of shit which feeds into the fact that you have sexual shame and that you're supposed to feel bad about sex. So that is also, there's a, there's a, a fix that happens in the feeling yeah. bad piece, right? So then you can feel like a piece of crap and then your partner is like, hates porn and hates you because you they think that you're choosing porn over having intimacy which in some cases is true yes because the intimacy with somebody else is very different than the intimacy or the lack yeah. of intimacy that you're having when you're whacking off watching porn so right. there's all these layers to it like it's it's a very it's very complex but right. at the bot at the base of it though Is that it has nothing to do with the porn industry. It has nothing to do with porn. It has to do with our consumption, our beliefs and how we're moving with it. And if we had so we can make different choices. Right. Like there's like, you know, we we've talked about in our other episodes, the different types and styles of pornography. Right. Mm -hmm. We got audio porn, highly produced porn, amateur porn. Like we got lots of options. And how we which options serve us best is Mm. up to us as the consumer. Right.
1: Right. And that's where uh, ethical consumption really comes in. Um, I think that one of the things that is so, I don't know what the right word is, it, that, that makes porn so easy uh, to access and then to, you know, develop like a disordered relationship with is the fact that it requires no intimacy and it requires, n- therefore, no vulnerability. Yeah. Um, And that's really the thing that's on the table with partnered sex, you know, uh, even if you're like really good at it (laughs) or like, you know, you're with somebody that you really trust and love. um, It's a very vulnerable act. Um, And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I totally, absolutely get that. And the thing that porn provides is that same release, you know, the same good stuff that your brain is releasing into your system. Um, But without that vulnerability, and I think that with the world that we live in, and especially I'm in the US, um, we are especially Puritan here, um, and we have a lot of moral issues with sexuality, generally speaking, especially if that sexuality is not heterosexual, vanilla, you know, cisgender, totally straight missionary position <laughs> um we have so many issues with it that opening ourselves up to vulnerability during uh sexual interaction is intensely scary there's so much shame around yes. it because that it's been interacting so
0: so ingrained like so yeah,
1: for so long, long from so yeah. many different directions you know yeah. uh from the church to just like Media generally, you know, the messaging that we get about what's okay sexually and what's not, family dynamics there's so much that contributes to sexual shame. That when you open yourself up to another person sexually, often that shame comes flooding in, and the fear that you're going to be judged, you're going to be hurt. The person that you want to be sexual with is going to reject you in some
0: way. And with porn, you don't have to deal with any of that, you get no, you don't have to. Exactly. You don't have to look at it. You don't have to deal with it, which is what is part of that. It's sometimes people will choose watching porn over having intimacy in your relationships. Right. And it's for that very reason, the vulnerability, the risking, mm-hmm. the, sh- the fear of the shame around what you sexually truly desire. Because this is the right. other thing is that porn gives us this opportunity to explore things that we may not have thought about we or secretly we fantasized about and we feel bad that we fantasize about that but we get to experience it through a voyeuristic uh, experience Mm -hmm. right and so we can like watch something that you know we could never possibly tell our partner that you know I really want you to pee on me like that nice. is, you know i really that that's really hot and i really want you to do that the fear of your partner being like what is wrong with you and right. judging you and freaking out is that extra level of there's the intimacy but then there's that vulnerability of like really truly who we are as sexual beings we all are have deep dark desires and right. porn allows us to go explore those deep, dark desires without the ramification of judgment from somebody else. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think that for at least some people, and I, I don't know what the numbers are like or anything, but, you know, if, if you're someone that has a legitimate fetish, right, um, like a, a legitimate fetish, which means that like you have a really hard time getting aroused or getting off without the presence of this thing or this theme. Um, You know, porn can be an extremely important outlet if it's something that you are afraid to share with another person or if you have not found another person who is comfortable engaging in that fetish with you. You know, like if it is like, you know, golden showers, like you said. yeah. Um, You know, that can be, it can be so important to find a release in porn if you are not able to find that in your real life but it can also end up walling you off from sharing your desires and your true self with other people. And I think that's where like porn becomes a double-edged sword because it is wonderful for people to find their own kinks, their own desires, their own fantasies reflected in pornography. And it can be a really healing experience. And I think for a lot of people who are involved with like, you know, webcams or OnlyFans accounts where you actually have direct access to the people who are creating the content for you that can really create a strong and important bond that that is more intimate um but you know we're we are social animals like everything in our brains is geared toward sharing ourselves with other people and that's why I think shame is such a strong factor in our societies because Shame is how, you know, when we were living many years ago in caves during the ice age, you know, and you were surrounded by the 15 people that you spent literally all of your time with. Shame was an extremely effective tool to keep everybody together. You know, you don't do this thing. We will shame you for it. And that keeps the group together. Mm -hmm. We do not live that way anymore, but our brains are still geared to make shame Like the worst thing that can happen to us, Mm -hmm. so we respond to that shame with like, "Oh my God, I am literally going to be cast out of the cave and die alone on the ice if somebody rejects me that way," you know? Yeah. And so it's an extremely, extremely effective tool of keeping us, you know, walled off in our own little private hells where we think nobody will ever share this fantasy of mine with me. Um,
0: And and so that that creates this disconnect like you said it's it's on one hand it's like that double edged sword it's like on one hand this is an outlet where i get to be like oh i get to express this and explore this and experience this and on the other it it keeps it as this dirty little secret right that i can't now not only do i have this fantasy but now i'm whacking off thinking about what while i'm watching this porn about it, which then makes me feel even worse because now society says that watching porn about this makes me a deviant and a pervert and all that kind of stuff. So there's like all these. So now I'm adding more layers of disconnect. And so there becomes more disconnect and more disconnect and more disconnect from experiencing intimacy with other human beings. Finding and and also finding the right partner that is in, in line with you and feeling unconditional love, not love that's based on conditions, but unconditional love, which is mm-hmm. what at the core of us as human beings crave deeply um and so it prevents us so we get into the spiral so this is what starts to happen: we get into a spiral so so there's that aspect of okay now I can't there's no way I can reach out to the world because I'm even more of a weirdo and a freak and perception of my my own internal perception is that I'm a weirdo and a freak and a deviant and so now I'm even more pulled away from others. And my partner is like in bed sleeping. And so this is where I see with couples all the time, right? So, you know, my partner is in bed sleeping, and I'm secretly watching this you know, porn, which I, which my partner now feels like a betrayal, because I won't have a connection and intimacy with them. So -hmm. because of that, I feel they feel betrayed. So they feel like you're cheating on them. So you feel like you're cheating on your partner. So this is is downward spiral that just happens on on that level. And then we have our Mm -hmm. other, which is, I am avoiding feeling like emotions, like stuff, like stuff going on in my life, or I'm scared. Um, I have anxiety. So I'm going to utilize, you know, instead of it, you know, dealing with the anxiety at hand, I'm just going to go masturbate and watch some porn because I will be distracted for a moment and that will make me feel better about the situation. So there's lots of ways. Those are the unhealthy ways in which we can interact and engage with porn. And it doesn't serve us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, a, it's also a really slippery slope. I, I think that a
1: lot of people don't notice like sort of the tipping point between like, oh man, I'm having a really rough time right now. It's 2020. Look at the world. I'm going to masturbate a little bit more. Hey, you know, like I'm at home all the time anyway, whatever. And then like a few months later, you've turned from somebody who's using masturbation as a healthy tool, you know, for like getting your happy brain chemicals going into someone who is watching porn all the time and letting their relationships and bills and other things
0: slide. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and and uh, you you haven't done laundry in a month because you've spent right. all this time whacking off, right? And you haven't paid yeah. any bills because you've been whacking off and <laughs> you know watching porn, watching whacking well, off. and that's
1: another component that's really important, um, which is that some people, especially people who engage in like one on one interactions with sex workers, like on webcams, um, can spend a lot of money on the sex worker or workers of their choice. And that can become a real problem for some people. Um, I think particularly for people like me, whose love language is gift giving. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, there's a whole sort of field of sex work that's financial domination, yeah. which is getting people to pay you all of their money. And that literally happens, not all of their money. I shouldn't say that a lot of people who do financial domination are extremely responsible and would never, you know, milk somebody dry like that. But I think that that can become a real problem for people who naturally enjoy the feeling of giving. Um, And probably for people who don't enjoy it too, that's a a masochism thing. You know, there's so many ways to go about it. Um, But yeah, spending way too much money on
0: your porn can become a real problem for a lot of people. And that's a whole other shame cycle that's a whole other shame cycle right yeah. and 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 the and what ends up happening and why that happens and and again there's that piece around the enjoyment or and i'm going to say the word enjoyment it's not really enjoyment it's there's a fix there's an, a fix that we get in our brain and our bodies when we feel bad when we feel ashamed and that can be seek, that can be deeply hooked in and anchored into our arousal response. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And
0: so we need to feel shame in order to get off. Yeah. And the more we get off, the more we feel ashamed. And so it becomes this cycle and this loop around that. So then we end up doing behaviors that are not serving us. So like, you know, watching porn when we made a promise to our partner that we wouldn't do that again or um, you know uh, spending all of the the money your life savings on you know a webcam person or like you know these kinds of things it's like it the part of the the arousal response is hooked in to feeling shame yeah yeah and I would love
1: to like I would love to read some studies about what actually goes on in the brain there. Um, And I think it does kind of go back at at least I, I would conjecture (laughs) that it goes back to that being like such, it's such a deep part of like our like brainstem, like deep lizard brain function that shame, you know, is such a basic part of what drives us. And so is sexual pleasure, you know. Like somewhere in there, you know, wires get crossed, and then here we are. And I think that there's even like at a at a more logical level, there's such a rush that you get from getting away with something that you doing something not you're not supposed to, supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I think that. Um. Again, this is totally my conjecture. I am not a specialist. I don't know about this stuff that much, but, um, I think back to like very early sexual experiences, you know, that most of us have, which are generally masturbatory, right? Um, Knowing that you're not supposed to be doing this and that making it so much more exciting. Mm -hmm. And that for most people happens, you know, early in life before you've really matured as a human being. And I do kind of suspect that, the lack of real conversation about sexuality and fantasy and pornography and how all these things can be done in a healthy way that serves us kind of leaves us back there in the like, you know, 12 year old or whatever, you know, age you kind of first started like jerking off madly in the closet or whatever, (laughs) whatever your personal situation was. There's, there's a little bit of that, like, oh, I'm getting away with something that remains for a lot of us when we don't Get to mature healthily and sexually you know
0: well and this is kind of where you know this is this is what i end up doing is helping people to untangle sex shame unhealthy responses where do they come from? How do we how do we reprogram what was be what's programmed in? And yeah, who we are as a sexual being now was created by who we were and what we learned as a kid. Right. And so those yeah. early, those very early sexual responses, how that all plays out, makes up who we are and our sexual responses later on in life. So example. If you were now kids come in with no sexual shame, like we are kids are completely born with like, it feels good. So we do it. So let's do some more of it. That there's like, Mm -hmm. that's it. There's no, there's no right. There's no wrong. There's no good. There's no bad. There's nothing. It's just like, there's a complete neutrality that it feels good. So do it right. And then it's from the imprinting of the adults around in society that says that you're not supposed to be doing that. So often the first time that you find out that you're not allowed to do that or that what you've done is wrong is in Mm -hmm. masturbation. It's because you get caught masturbating. Yep. <laughs> and in that being caught, how the adult handles that will directly affect your sexual responses and your behavior for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so which is really important is is part of our sexual development piece. Yeah. Right. And so if you if you get caught and then you are made to feel bad about it, but you also had an orgasm, so there's there's also, mm-hmm. like, especially if it was when you were close to having an orgasm when this happened, mm-hmm. or after you had an orgasm, so your brain's like, okay, orgasmic response comes from getting caught, or comes from almost getting caught,
1: right. and so your
0: brain's like, well, that's how we have, that's our orgasmic pattern, that's how we have orgasmic response. Right, yeah. Yeah. We can't have that without that thing that's attached to it. Yeah. And it's so like, that it's so
1: hardwired then, I think, if you are not able to follow that experience up with, like, having someone to talk to about it, or, you know, just sort of like some sort of sounding board where you get more input that allows you to let that, let that experience sort of mature with you. Yeah. That you can get stuck right there, and that is true, like across everything. Not, yeah, definitely they're, not, they're just,
0: not sex. just. No, yeah, oh, that's across <laughs> the board. Across the board. Across the board. Right, like whatever right. those experiences are hardwired, and you can reprogram them, and we can change them, and we can change the, ha- the the neural pathways of how we move and how we do things that can be changed. But you have to be aware that what you're doing and where it comes from so that you can course correct it and that you can rewire stuff. And when I say rewire, I don't mean that what you're doing is bad or wrong and that there's something wrong with you. And I, and I really want to frame that. It's really, really important. important. It's always about, is this serving you the best version of you? Is this making your life the best version of your life? Not no judgment in that. Right. So there's no like, well, oh, if you watch porn and you're whacking off all day that there's something wrong with you. No. But if you're watching porn and whacking off all day and not getting anything done and can't have relationships, which is not how you want to live your life, then that's where we need to look at as why it's not serving you how is it not serving you? And how can you move in a different way that it serves you better?
1: Right, yeah. And it
0: may not have anything to do with changing the porn that you're watching or changing off, that you're whacking off watching porn. It might be, how do you whack off to watching porn in a certain way so that you get your shit done? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a really, really important part of the conversation because, I mean, like I said several times it's 2020 things are a goddamn mess you know and if watching porn and jerking off is part of your you know way of keeping yourself together and keeping yourself sane and it's helping you get your shit done or you know keep your shit together by all means I have absolutely no problem with that and in fact I recommend it to a lot of people who are having a hard time like Um, But yeah, once it becomes a problem, once it becomes something that is stopping you from feeling okay, or, you know, keeping up with the other things that you need to do in your life, then yeah, it's time to talk about rewiring. And I'm really, really curious about how you go about doing that. I'm sure it's different from person to person. um, But this sounds like really intense work that you're doing with people.
0: Yeah, it it really is dealing with the subconscious, like on a subconscious brain and dealing with the subconscious and what each person's subconscious is different and how it manifests, how it shows up and and all that kind of stuff. But really getting to the root of reprogramming that comes from the core of what created it in the first place. So whatever the behavior, whatever the thought, whatever the experience, we need to go back to the original Mm -hmm. and create a new narrative about it. So whatever that story was, we need to create the new narrative. We got to release the old emotions that are attached to it. And we got to, you know, take the knowledge that we gain and we do it, do something with that. And then what is it that we want? Now we have space to be like, what is it that we want that scenario to look like so for example um if we were to take okay so you get caught okay so you're whacking off you get caught and your mother freaks out yells and screams and tells you you're a horrible person and you're going to go blind for touching yourself and really? all that kind of stuff, okay so that's that's what happens so that imprints in you in different ways, when you, you know, it become now you're looking for that adrenaline of getting caught and feeling bad about yourself as part of your now sexual arousal response. Uh, you no longer are you're terrified and you won't touch yourself and you will never masturbate ever again. Um, you like, there's lots of different ways that
1: because mm-hmm.
0: of that experience, that it can manifest in each one of us, right? So yeah. that, how it manifests is in, in very individual. But then the rewiring happens is, okay, so that we take that story, we take that scenario and we recreate it. How would we have liked that story to happen? Yeah. And so in creating a new story where, you know, uh, we're masturbating, our mother walks in, she's, she's like, oh, when you're done, can you come down and do the dishes? Sorry, I didn't knock.
1: <laughs> wow, what a dream scenario, right? <laughs>
0: Right. so now your subconscious has a new narrative to be moving from and developing so now development now changes through Mm -hmm. so like so now it just basically re it corrects it self-corrects all the things that happened it self-corrects all of those things because now you were, your privacy was respected, uh, you masturbating is normal, and and, and it's all good. So you're now, your arousal response is no longer anchored in shame, anchored in fear, anchored in all of these things, and trauma. It's no longer anchored in trauma anymore. It's Mm -hmm. anchored in this, like, respect. So now your sexual responses will shift and change. Well, that's like time travel.
1: It's like going back to the moment and just changing it. And then when you get back to the present, everything's different.
0: It is. It is exactly (laughs) what it's like. It's like time travel and it's awesome. And that's basically what I do with not just this topic, but everything that is, you know, no longer serving us, especially in the realm of sexuality. Wow.
1: That is intense. That's amazing work. Like, yeah. I would love to, I don't know, I would love to see that kind of thinking be applied more to sexual matters. I really do think that, you know, like we just we get so messed up. And as someone who like is currently in therapy and has been really investigating a lot of my own cycles around like everything in my life, I'm you know, I I can say that we get so messed up in our brains when we're kind of left to our own devices, because like you said, everybody everybody's response to trauma is so different. Yes. Um, and when when it just is happening in an echo chamber, like whatever thought process is going on, whether it has to do with sex or something else, when it's happening in an echo chamber, you're not talking to anyone about it, things get weird and that's fine. Like, that's, like we said, it, if you are operating well and you are happy with your life, the weird things that go on in your head. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Keep doing them. But when they become a problem and you're starting to realize that you're not meeting your goals and, and, you know, your life is being badly affected by the things that your brain starts doing when it's left to its own devices. And it's time to look elsewhere, perhaps for help, or at least look to change what's going on.
0: Well, and it's all about, it's like you said, it's like when we're left with our own devices, our brain only has its limited experiences to draw upon. And so, especially when we're young, when we're kids, we have zero stuff to draw upon. And so our, our interpretations of experiences Um, is very limited and that interpretation anchors into who we are and we are moving from that narrative for the rest of our lives until we re-examine whether or not that's serving us or not and so it's always incredibly fascinating I mean that's what I love about my job it's incredibly fascinating like my job is to like pull apart the puzzle and figure out where is it coming from and right why, why do you sabotage your life yet you crave happiness and yet happiness was there and then you just blew it up by mm-hmm. doing this thing? And why do you blow it up? Well, Oof. my job, that's where my job is. My job oh, comes man. in and I'm like, all right, let's go dig in and let's go find <laughs> out. All right. I found it. Okay. We found it. Now we can re, we can reframe that experience. And in you know- that reframe is amazing. Uh, that's that's amazing
1: it sounds like so much fun um now I'm thinking about my my day which is mostly like fixing people's commas and I'm like maybe I went (laughs) maybe maybe I need to reframe that narrative (laughs) (laughs) but this is also making me think okay so like we have basically established that a lot of people have traumatic experiences early in life around masturbation and you know I think yeah. that is, it's definitely not entirely universal, but it's pretty close. Um, right.
0: pretty close, yes. That's, that's a, and I'm
1: really thinking about the conversation that we had in the last episode that we recorded um, about why is there so much fam- family-oriented porn right now? Why are there so many stepsisters fucking their stepfathers, you know? And I'm wondering how much of that is coming directly from that sort of initial usually family-oriented shame response that people are looking to play out in a different way and have a different experience with there's something really deep there
0: there is and I don't know if I'm brave enough for us to have that conversation (laughs) on line
1: (laughs) that is a good point so it is a good point but it is like it's a question that comes up a lot like in the past five years when you know stepsister or whatever Mm -hmm. step family porn has become such a big thing people are always asking me why it's so popular and I'm like well there are a million explanations for that I can't tell you but I there might be something in what we were just talking about
0: I there is and you and I should have a conversation we can have a (laughs) conversation so you have some answers to give to people um when we aren't live (laughs) That is fair. Hey, Facebook. How <laughs> about that? All right. So we can talk for hours and this is why you come on uh, the show on a regular basis. Um, I hope everybody was inspired and um, got a little bit out of our conversation today. Um, thank you, Lindsay, for being on the show. Once well, again. Thank you
1: for having me. This is a really interesting conversation. I had a blast.
0: You know, it's uh You know, again, what I, so what's the one thing, all right, what's the one thing you want to leave our audience with in today's, around today's conversation?
1: Hmm. Um, I think the, the most important thing for people to walk away with is, um, that anything we said, anything we talked about, uh, we do not want to pile shame upon anyone. Um, You know, no matter what your situation is around pornography, there's no shame in it. There's no judgment. Um, We are not judging anyone for having, you know, issues around pornography. It is a extremely relatable, extremely understandable situation. Um, And as people who spend a lot of time thinking about this kind of stuff, you know, we are We are here to help, and we hope that the conversation that we had um, was able to help you, um, even if it's thinking abstractly, not about yourself, we hope that it was able to open your mind a little bit uh, when you think about this stuff. If it is something that hit a personal note, we hope that you found something in the conversation that will be helpful to you, Um, but we are not here trying to make you feel worse about anything. And I mm-hmm. certainly hope that if you were starting to feel bad, that that me saying this will lift a little bit of that load from you. Because we think you're awesome, and the fact that you're even listening to slash watching this means that you're curious, and we think, I think, that is a huge, huge, wonderful step in your life. So you know, keep being curious.
0: I love it. That was beautiful. What I want to leave the audience with is again there is no right or wrong. There is no good or bad. All there is, is this serving me? This is the question I want you to ask yourself about Mm -hmm. in particular around our interaction with porn and masturbation, just because that's what we're talking about. But this applies to everything in your life. All right. As I highly recommend to ask yourself this question, is this serving me? Mm -hmm. Is this creating the life and supporting me to create the life that I want to have? whether that's in my work, in my money, in my health, in my family, in my relationships, these in these areas. Is this supporting this? And if the answer is yes, carry on. If the answer, <laughs> if the answer is no, then I highly recommend reaching out to me, to somebody who is like me that can help you navigate and pull apart why it's not serving you and not make you wrong about it because you're not wrong about it but help you find a way that it serves you better yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah I love it it's like it's and thank you audience as always you were fabulous um and uh you know so ways in which you can spend, let's, let's start with Lindsay. How can people spend, get more Lindsay time? How do they spend more time with you? Uh, the
1: easiest way to do it is to find me on the internet. Um, I have a website, it's lindsayg.com and it's spelled weird. So I'm gonna spell it out for you. It's l-y-n-s-e-y-g.com. Um, I have a blog there. You can find ways to contact me. You can find me on social media. Um, or you can find me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, um, usually with some variation of Lindsay G. I had a pseudonym back in the day that I used to write under, which was Miss Lags a lot. Um, There's a whole story behind that weird name, but um, you can search me that way uh, if it's easier to spell than Lindsay G, and you should be able to find me on social media that way.
0: Beautiful. And all of her contact information, of course, is in the show notes. So it'll be easy. All you have to do is click it. (laughs) Um, All right. So spend more time with me. um, I now have this beautiful hub at GaiaMorissette.com. So you only have to go to one place to find the zillion things that I do in the world, podcasting, (laughs) BDSM, trauma. I've revamped all my websites. It's like this beautiful new world. So just go to GaiaMorrisette.com and uh, you can find how you want to play with me basically in a, first of all, and I'll practice in a professional manner. I am not available for sex dating Marriage or having anybody's babies, (laughs) and I say that I have to say that because I get those propositions on a daily basis. Okay, that's not just me being cocky, (laughs) that's that's definitely one of those rules that you're like, Oh, there's
1: a reason that rule exists, huh?
0: And don't forget to check out my Orgasmic Life podcast that can be found on all the podcasting platforms. And as again, as a loving reminder, help support the overhead cost of this show, come join Patreon and support the work that I do in the world for you guys. And there's also lots of bonuses and pleasure possibilities that you get to have by spending more quality time with me. And uh, don't forget to check out Tickle.life's podcast, which I also Mm -hmm. host, um, where we have great conversations. Lindsay was on Tickle.life podcast and we shared some juicy stories about her adventures. So if you want to learn more about her on a personal level, go check her episode out on (laughs) on Tickle.life podcast. All right. Yeah, that
1: was a juicy one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all. I love you all. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.